Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry. Derek? It's good to be uh, on the pod talking some Kentucky basketball roster attrition and some clarity on maybe what Kentucky is going to be doing, not in 2023-24, but maybe in the coming weeks when it comes to roster additions, transfer portal, things like that. We, we finally have some movement that actually makes sense on what's what's happening behind the scenes. Yeah, some official things. So we're recording this, first of all, uh, lunchtime on Friday, so... It's already been a newsy morning. I don't know if anything else official will happen today, but we had some official movement this morning and throughout the week, also some developments in terms of the rumor mill. And then in terms of Oscar, plus some more official things with Michigan transfer Hunter Dickinson. There's been a lot going on the last few days. But Sean, let's, let's start today with the official news this morning. Kentucky lost two players to the portal. One expected, one I think, kind of expected in terms of making sense but uh first of all cj frederick was the one i was saying uh i don't know that that would have been the first outcome that i would have thought of a cj as a transfer i thought maybe just not playing basketball anymore might have been in his future but it looks like he wants to try to give it another go uh, i guess what do you make of that are you surprised by his decision to leave um any spots you think that might make sense for him as to why I got to think he might already have a place lined up if he's decided to leave Kentucky. Yeah. That, that seems like the type of move by a guy that has premeditated it and, and thought it out to figure out where he's going to go. But I guess my take on it would be uh, there were three scenarios with CJ, right? That was a retirement from the game of basketball, given all the injuries he's getting married, you know, Blair no longer, you know, playing at UK. I thought that that would factor in and, so I, I honestly thought that was the most likely scenario. And then I thought the second most likely would be another year at Kentucky, given that he's probably, honestly, Derek, in, in the best health that he's been in since he's been in Lexington. I know he had the, the rib issue and stuff there in the NCAA tournament, but that's not something that's going to keep him off of his summer workout. And it's usually been lower body issues that have kept him. So I thought that a, a, maybe an appealing thing to him would have been a healthy offseason to really hit the ground running and, and see. But when you look at what Kentucky's got coming in in the backcourt, I think it was going to be complicated for a guy that maybe does one thing very well when he's healthy, and that's knock down shots, and he doesn't turn the ball over. But I just feel like that there was going to be a lot of – there's going to be to me, there's going to be a lot of bodies there in the backcourt. We still don't know what Kentucky's going to add. But I thought that was the second most likely, and I think the most unlikely to me was the portal. So I, get, I was surprised that he hit the portal. And – I don't know, possible destinations. I, a Big Ten guy that he had success there before injuries didn't have a lot of good run at Kentucky, just not a lot of good luck either. I mean, when you when you have the injury he had coming into Lexington, then you blow out a, a hamstring or whatever, or tore ham. I think it was, yeah, it was torn hamstring, right? Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. warm-ups, like, that sets you back from the start. And then this year it was up and down with injuries. 
I don't know, Derek. I, could you see him playing somewhere close to home? Maybe. I don't. I don't know what's appealing there, but I yeah. hope. I hope nothing but the best for him. And I, I think. Uh, I think a healthy year of college basketball for CJ, if he can go beginning to end, would probably be the final. The final thing for him. Yeah, uh, Ben Roberts from the Herald Leader had Cincinnati as a potential front runner, so that would be getting back to you know his hometown. Essentially, uh, and that's a team that's moving to the Big 12, right, next season. I believe they'll be in the Big 12 next season, so you'll still be playing at the highest level, Power 5 Conference. I think on Kentucky's end, the value for CJ would have been – how do I want to phrase this? I think his spot is going to be hard to replace because the role he was going to play, which would have been asking a lot, admittedly, of a player, is he was probably a deep bench option i have to think that if antonio reeves comes back which sounds like it's trending that way maybe something official happens on that soon i'm not sure probably not within the time frame of this podcast but if reeves is back and you have three five-star slash mcdonald's all-american guards coming in where does cj fit into that you know i think he would still have a chance but it's just how much run are you going to give a fifth whatever year he was going to be in over you know, two guys that if you look at mock drafts going into next year, I mean, DJ Wagner's going to be a top 10 projected pick. Uh, Reeves, I don't, I don't think it's going to be a draft pick or uh, might be a draft pick next season if he has a good year, but Dillingham's going to be a guy, you know, is going to play. He's coming here to play. And then Reed Shepard, like Reed younger, not as many injuries on the body, you know, just a guy that maybe could fill some of the same roles. So for CJ, I do think it makes sense to leave, but he would have been a guy that, you know, in terms of welcoming him back, it would have been interesting, I think, just to see how he would have fit in. Because Do you think you can go to the portal, Sean, now and recruit a guy at guard to come in if you know that those four other guys, the three freshmen plus Reeves, are already on the roster? Like, how do you see that playing out? Do you think you can get another guy, or do you think it maybe just lost a roster spot, more or less? That's a really good question because my thoughts for that person in the portal are my same thoughts for CJ Frederick. If he had been on this roster was where, where are those minutes? And I mean, I, I told you yesterday that on, when I was on sources say the other day that I completely left out Reed Shepard because I was talking so much about DJ and Rob and, and Justin and, and Antonio Reeves like that. That's, those are four dudes that we know are going to play at those wing spots for Kentucky. So I think to me, the the portal there at that spot, it's more than likely you've probably lost it. You've probably lost that roster spot there. I don't know how much CJ was going to be used, even if healthy. I really don't, given what Kentucky is going to have and the options and stuff there. Like, And we still don't know what's going to happen with Chris Livingston and everything with that situation. But if they're going to add portal, I think it makes sense if you get a guy that maybe isn't just a one-year piece maybe it's a guy that is known as a I, I do think that they need a three and d guy i think that would be the most likely piece to add to this roster on the perimeter um you maybe go get a shooter but to me it, it needs to be a guy that has more than one year available maybe the option of like an antonio reeves that could play one and then decide to play another or you go get a guy that is a developmental piece that can come in and if you need shot making can make a shot or two for you yeah, like I, I think a top in as a guard, maybe, you know, someone yeah. like that. From a small Somebody school. with long-term potential that is committed to the process of, of playing it out that wants something different but isn't expecting too much in the beginning. 
I think that that's probably the the way to go because look, Reed Shepard is going to play. Yeah, I think Reed is probably one of the entering next season, probably one of the most important pieces on the roster given the long term. Because here's my next thought with Reed: Reed may see. Um, I'm trying to word this without people thinking that I'm getting cryptic here or something crazy, but. <laughs> Reed very well could be the transition piece to another head coach of the Kentucky basketball program. Yeah, I agree. Is what I'm saying. Like, that's the one that when Cal, if Cal decides to leave during Reed's tenure in Lexington or his time in, in, in Lexington, then Reed's probably most likely to stay because he's Kentucky through and through. I just think that that's, he's going to play from the beginning, in my opinion. So, it's going to get dicey and interesting to see. And the other thing too, Derek, is they've just not been active in the portal on wing. Like that's not the spot that they've, they've looked at. And there's so much going on with Hunter Dickinson right now that that seems to be the most, obviously it's priority. Number one is finding a five man, but I'm, I'm going to be interested to see the weekend play out and into early next week. If there's any names in the portal that Kentucky gets linked to, or does someone else go on the portal? That's not in the portal yet. That deadline has not passed still a few weeks away. And we know there's late portal additions. Antonio Reeves wasn't a what? Was it an April, late April edition last year, maybe into May? Let me look that up. Antonio Reeves, Kentucky commits. It was April 27th. Yeah, so it was late. Next week, essentially, yeah, like in yeah. terms of today's time. Which he had, I think he had already maybe gone in the portal and we had the the Oregon mm-hmm. and all the, the other schools talk. But um. I think watching the portal over the weekend and Monday and Tuesday is probably going to tell us and what happens if Chris Livingston comes back. I don't expect it. I know, you know, Ben wrote the story and stuff yesterday and was talking or that, or, you know, talking about that's 50, 50, but I, I would still lean that he's gone. But what if he does come back Derek? Then they probably don't add a wing. Yeah, one other guy I didn't mention was Adu Thierro, just because I don't know that he's actually going to be like a guard next year if he keeps growing. So I don't really know where to I don't really know where to place him on next and, year's roster. And that's the guy, that, and that's the that's the kind of piece that I'm talking about. Maybe they already have it. Yeah. Maybe that maybe they don't need to add anything. Maybe that's the maybe the guy that I was talking about that kind of fits long term project is already on their roster and on their bench. And you've had you and I've had that conversation for weeks now, like. If he keeps growing, are they going to make the transition to turn him into a three or possibly a four that can can drive and do some things off the bounce and uh, keep improving that jump shot? Maybe maybe they don't add a piece. Maybe he's the guy that gets those minutes if they need it. The other transfer this morning, uh, no one's surprised, I think, was Damian Collins. Uh, a really difficult year. I, I didn't know this, but apparently, according to John Calipari's Twitter account, Damian's grandfather also recently passed away. I think within the last week, he said. So you had obviously the tragedy with his father right before the season started, and then to lose a grandparent as well. Uh, that is a very rough year and makes a lot of sense for him to return back to Texas to be closer to his, his mother and the rest of his family there. With Damien, I think what's difficult, I mean, that whole situation, you know, personally for him was obviously terrible. And I know he's going to have a lot of supporters. I think a lot of UK fans are going to support him in his next move. But I do think he leaves Kentucky as we don't really know what he is as a basketball player. He never really, never really got a, I think a chance to necessarily see what the best version of Damian Collins is. And I hope that he's able to reach that. 
uh, at his next school. But I also think of all the players as we came into this offseason, he was the one that you would probably have highest on the list as, as likely to leave. And that that became official today. Yeah, and we'd all kind of been wondering, you know, for about a month, you know, what was taking so long right. and, and things like that, because I think we've all expected that that was the most likely scenario to play out for Damian. And, and yeah, you mentioned, you know, the passing of his grandfather, and that was something that we talked about the other day that was floating out there, but nobody could confirm. And and now we know. And that, to me, just screams, you got to go back home. You got to be close to family. You got to – basketball is not even the most important thing at that point, you know. Like, it's about taking care of yourself. And, and here's, here's a kid, Derek, that – Came to Kentucky super, super thin, and then had the offseason where he had added some weight in the strength and conditioning program, and then he went through what he went through with the passing of his father and then lost all that weight and stuff, and it was not – and, you know, credit to him, was able to hold it together and make it through the season and, and be there for his teammates, and we know that he had a strong support group in Lexington, but you can have a support group with your basketball program and your basketball team, but it's not the same as the support group of your family – back home and I just feel like that a transfer back somewhere near family is probably the most likely scenario for him but uh, he's a guy that never really got an opportunity to really I feel like develop in, into a player not just from a freshman year where he didn't have a lot of run but then how much did what he went through at the beginning of this year limit what he could have got as a sophomore. I think at and, the time, I mean, that was the story of his season, I think, was just falling behind more or less because of what happened and not either in the headspace. I think it's all – I think we would all understand, you know, if he mentally just was not all here this year at Kentucky and then just the, the effects that it had to his body. I, I just don't think he was really in a in a position to be an effective basketball player at Kentucky this season. No, and uh, I don't think so. And and that's that's a class now that Bryce transferred and now Damien's transferred and and Tata left after one year and um this is you know it gets me back to and I mean I mean it's a conversation that you got to have here like you know some of the struggles the last few years I feel like has been more so due to like I know we talked about recruiting and and Damien and and Tata and these guys were ranked where they were and Bryce was ranked where he was but. I think that's why I have so much optimism about this roster coming in is where these guys are. And when you get that many top 10 pieces or you get that many, like they got what three guys that have been ranked in the top 10 and in certain four. Yeah. In certain top five. Yeah. So when you do that, like not all of them are going to live up to that hype. Like what are the chances that all three of them by the end of next year, we're like, yeah, those, those three were definitely three top 10 dudes and and worthy of it. One of them's going to slide a little bit. We know how that works. Uh, does a guy like Reed climb higher? And maybe you start talking, well, this was a top 10, top 15 kid. I don't know. Like that's the, I guess that's the nature of the the beast in recruiting. But when you recruit at that level, you're more than likely putting yourself in a situation to where one or two of those guys work out. And I just feel like that getting back to that level of recruiting, it's gives Kentucky fans optimism and it gives them hope. And I think it gives John Calipari maybe the, the luxury of saying, all right, I've, I've got elite dudes again, and uh, let's see what it does. So I think the pickup in recruiting is given the roster next. I think that's the reason I'm the most excited about what it could be. 
it's not about if they add Hunter Dickinson. It's not about if Antonio Reeves comes back. It's about the dudes coming in that I think that they might have the it factor that maybe overall roster just hasn't had the last few years. No, yeah. And I think it's a good transition into Hunter Dickinson, who reportedly from from everyone, now I think David Sisk at Rivals might have been the first to have it, but Hunter will be here on Sunday for an official visit. I, I believe I read that he will also maybe visit Villanova next at the end of next week, possibly. Uh, I'm sure, well, we'll get into this, but I do want to frame it this way as we start, Sean. As we talk about the, the guard, I think you and I might have discussed this off air. It feels like they have made plans for a post-Oscar Shibway world Mm-hmm. but haven't really made plans. Like You don't really hear Kentucky linked to many guards or forwards in the portal, the way that you've heard them link to Hunter Dickinson. Hunter, on I think is it his podcast, talking about the story of Cal coming to visit him at the airport, and obviously yeah. he convinced him to come visit. Like that, that seems like there is some level of seriousness involved there that Kentucky very much wants him, and Dickinson, if he's coming to visit, tells you that there's interest on his part as well. Doesn't mean he's going to come here. I don't, I don't think anyone knows that, but – since reporting from Jack Pilgrim at KSR, that you know UK is prepared to accept his commitment if he wants to. I don't know that Dickinson's coming here uh, for this visit with the intention that he'll be locked up by the time he leaves. But it, it's just fascinating to me because you had rumors early in the week that Oscar was going to come back, and I, I think that as as very likely been proven to to not be true because otherwise, why would Hunter Dickinson be coming here for a visit? Yeah, and and the thing with with Hunter Dickinson, he said on that podcast was his story was that Cal showed up at the airport and Hunter met him at the private airport and spent a couple hours with him. And then Cal gets back on his private jet and bounces and goes probably to an NBA game. It's probably what Cal see Tyrese Maxey over there in Philly. Yeah. So when you do that, when you make a pit stop to go see Hunter Dickinson at the airport and you don't even get in a car, you just literally get off (laughs) the plane and you're standing there and you're meeting with him wherever they were. It tells me it's pretty serious that, there's definitely solid interest in him joining the roster and then following it up with a visit. And you mentioned the, the, the other visit they're scheduled possibly to, to Villanova. To Villanova. Is that what you said? I think I that's... believe that's what I read next Friday is, is I can't remember where I read that, but I, I do think I recall seeing that he had one more visit planned after Kentucky. And this is a timing thing, right? Like if, if Oscar is indeed on the table to possibly return, like this could be a, whoever wants it first type thing. Like if Oscar were to call, the staff today and say, Hey, I'd, I'd like to come back. What happens? Do, do they accept him back? I mean, I don't know, but it, it kind of feels like if Hunter goes through this visit and it goes well, does he, does he get to that next visit that's scheduled or does he go ahead and claim that spot in Kentucky's front court? And I think Kentucky maybe has a little bit of leverage here in a situation. I also think that the, I think the guy that has absolutely no leverage to me is probably Oscar. Just given that if Hunter decides to commit on Sunday, what's Oscar do, Derek? Like, yeah, I mean, portal. Kind of, yeah, like <laughs> it kind know. of takes him off the, I guess, the list of possibilities because, I mean, yeah, I mean, is Kentucky going to say leave? I don't know. Like, there's still scholarships, but where's the minutes going to come from? Right. Like, that's, that's not a likely scenario. So, I look at it like Hunter's probably got the most leverage here. Is right. I mean, he's got four or five schools he can. Yeah. To, yeah. In Kentucky, well, I, mean, I say four to five. I mean, he could probably probably go anywhere, but just in terms of serious 
schools at this point. He's probably got it down to a handful or so. And, and he's a guaranteed starting five at Kentucky. If he takes, if he makes the commitment, he's guaranteed to start. Like Ugo would come off the bench behind him. Yeah. And that's where I'm coming from that I just feel like that maybe, maybe Kentucky's pursuit of Hunter, I think some people looked at it early in the week or maybe late last week as maybe putting some heat on Oscar Sheboy to go ahead and make the decision that I think, look, Oscar's NBA potential and draft stock is what it is. I don't think it's changed at all. If well, anything, it's, it's worse. Yeah, it's worse yeah. this year than what it was last year. Yeah, so like if either you're going to do it or you're not going to do it. And going through workouts is not going to change that. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like if he, if he signs a two-way deal or whatever, he's making about $500,000. Uh, he's making north of 2 million at Kentucky if he comes back. So if money's the, the thing here, then I feel like Oscar should already be firmly on next year's roster. But with Hunter, I think it's just – I don't know. I feel like it's trending more likely that Hunter Dickinson's on this roster than Oscar Sheboy, just given the, the last four or five days. And a week ago, I didn't think Hunter Dickinson had been on this roster was even a possibility. And then it shifted over the weekend. So I, I don't know. Like that, that shows you how quietly Kentucky's been working, I think, and not panicking which kind of tells me that maybe they've thought all along what their – maybe they've known all along what their roster is going to look like. Maybe they've known that Antonio Reeves is going to be a part of it and and that they, they've got their five-man. Uh, Cal didn't panic when it came to Ogana, Ogana going into the portal. Like, he didn't just go out and try to grab every single big man or shot blocker known. It's like he kind of set foot and stayed put and was like, all right, let's let this play out. And then it, I mean, that was quick. That was portal and back within like a week. Yeah, I, I just I do think in terms of the overall conversation we're having, I, I do find it more interesting going back to the point about their pursuit of Dickinson versus the lack of connected options at Garden Ford. Because like the debate's gonna be, would you rather have Oscar, would you rather have Hunter? I mean, I think that's a conversation to have once I would just rather see that one play out. I think that conversation's been had now several places between What's the better option? I think they both have upside. I think they both have potential downsides. But just in terms of if you're, like, handicapping this, it feels like there is a good chance that either Hunter Dickinson will be here or Oscar Sheba will be here. Where I'm having a harder time figuring it out is would Kentucky replace Chris Livingston's spot on the roster? Uh, How does he feel? Like, you've got some – you mentioned Ben. I think Ben was on the radio and mentioned, and I, and I do think it was probably a more nuanced conversation, but the, the conclusion might have been that, you know, it's like 50-50 on Livingston, and, and maybe Livingston's more open to coming back than some people within his uh, camp. I don't know. I don't I don't know the deal there. But, like, I, I guess, Sean, my question is, how do you – it just seems still almost unpredictable as to what the backcourt slash – three and four spot. Well, it seems like Bradshaw is destined to be the starting four this year, like no matter what, but in terms of like, if we're going to use the positions, you know, one through three, I I still think here on April 21st, it's not the full picture. We still don't really understand. So there's not a question in there for you. Uh, Just take that wherever you want, I guess. How do you, how do you see that? 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If Chris isn't on this roster, I don't think Kentucky replaces it. I don't. Because and I and I I don't think Kentucky adds a guard either. Just the more that and that is kind of shifted in my thoughts listening to you talk and then sitting here thinking about it, that I think they're gonna roll with I'm I'm gonna say Antonio Reeves is coming back. I think that's very likely. I think it makes sense for both sides. I think it's probably been one of the most no-brainer decisions of the entire offseason, honestly. So yeah. Is when we look at it and the money and and what his role would be. So then you're going to roll with that guard, DJ, Antonio, Rob, Justin, and Reed. That's five bodies. And then you got to do who can slide and do some things there. One, two, three. Which means what does Kentucky do at the four? And you mentioned Bradshaw. I think he gets the nod there as a starter. Now, my one concern with that is plays off the bounce. Is is that a guy that's going to be able to put it on the deck and go make plays? Uh, I'm not too confident in that. So, But I am confident in the ability of him to make some shots. But if it doesn't work out with Ugana, do you see Bradshaw slide and play some five offensively? But maybe you open the floor a little bit. And, and things, but the four is really intriguing because I actually think that this roster could end up having a guy that really doesn't truly fit the making of a four from like a position standpoint. But do you see Justin Edwards slide and play some four and then they run the three smaller guard lineup? Like they go Rob, Antonio at the three, and DJ at the one. Like I think that that's the most likely thing. And if that's the way that they decide to play it, I'm okay with them not adding a piece to replace Chris or a piece to replace CJ Frederick, because then that means that you're getting some of these younger guys on the floor, more minutes. You're not kind of handcuffing someone to a spot of like forcing minutes with going and getting a veteran guy. And I'm okay running a four guard attack. If Justin Edwards is the, the one that's essentially the labeled four, if they choose to do it at times. And I think that that's something that you could see with this roster. Reed could fit into that lineup too. You got, if let's say DJ's off the floor, you got Rob, Reed, and Antonio, and Justin with a big. Does that make sense at all? It does. You can correct me if I'm wrong, and I think you would find some fans who, who feel this way. In some ways, when you look at what's already here, it might, when we're talking about like not replacing players if they were to leave, isn't there an argument to be made that it might make the most sense not to replace Oscar? But you could roll with Ugana at the five. You could roll with if you want Bradshaw to be the four, but you know at times he could be the five. You you could. You could. From a number standpoint, you got enough. And the, the other guy that we've not even factored into anything here is Lance Ware. Like Well, I'm saying he's probably uh, unfortunately like trending towards being the backup four, in my opinion. If you don't have a true four on the roster, yeah. I don't trust that Cal's not gonna just put him at the four off the bench. To play but, with Dickinson or, or whoever else is out. You know, that's the name that none of us mentioned. That's looks like he's going to be on this roster. Like then and add some depth and emergency, right? Like I don't know what his role is going to be. I, I don't uh, think he's going to play. Time. 
I think Cal will, I think Cal will give him a fair share of uh, chances anyway. I think uh, he's going to be a four-year player here that like Cal did not hesitate to put in this year. My thing is, is Cal, like, I feel like we're giving him too much credit here. Like, I mean, he didn't have to play Lance Ware this season the way he did, but he chose to. And I don't, what would keep him from doing that next season? Well, and, and the only thing that I'm, if it's not Oscar or Hunter, you don't add anybody. That's my opinion. Like, if Hunter goes elsewhere and Oscar decides to go, I don't think you add anybody at that spot. I think you roll with Ugana. But I am a little concerned with if they don't add something, just because I think it's a dangerous approach to go upside at the five. I do. Like, because let's say that it doesn't work out. Then Kentucky doesn't have anything at, at that spot. Hunter Dickinson would be a significant upgrade offensively with skill set and the things that he can do. Oscar there cleaning up the glass and rebounding. I think his role would be even better this year. I think it would be a lesser role than what he's had in the past. I think both of those guys, whichever one of them is on this roster, their usage rate will go down significantly than what it was a year ago because Kentucky's going to have guards that require the ball to be in their hands. So, ah, yeah, it makes sense to say that Oscar's probably the most likely to not replace. I, a part of that will probably depend on how much you fa- how much faith you have in two things. One, Ugana's development, but also how you prefer to have your roster constructed. Because there are some people who who don't want any player in the mold of Oscar or Hunter Dickinson anymore um, in college basketball. But I don't know. I just think where where the roster really on paper becomes very very good and also confusing as to how it might play out is the scenario that you, you get Dickinson or, or Oscar comes back just who, you get like a true five whoever it is I don't really care who plus Livingston and Reeves are both back that's where it becomes how does Cal decide to play this because it's almost like you're pigeonholing yourself in a way where if you say Bradshaw is going to be the starting four no matter what you're probably like at that point either I'll just say, like, I think I could see a starting lineup at that point. Let's just let's just for this argument's sake, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but let's just say Dickinson comes here. You're probably going to have a starting lineup of DJ Wagner, Chris Livingston, Justin Edwards, Aaron Bradshaw, and Hunter Dickinson. That would be my guess, and I could be totally wrong, but that's just my guess. It, it just seems like the overall talent, I think you would have to love the individual pieces, but – I'm not sure how Cal would would use all those guys. I mean, Livingston's coming back to play a big role. Justin Edwards committed here to play a big role. You know what I mean? Like, there's just a lot of a lot of pieces at that point, and I'm not sure how they all fit. And I don't know what the likelihood is that that's like actually what happens. But it's as of today, it is still a scenario that could happen. Yeah, there's there's a lot of bodies when you look at this roster that, to me it's going to be hard to me to keep everybody happy. And that's where I'm coming from too, that Ugana's decision to return, like he's not coming back if he doesn't think he's getting minutes. If that rolls the same as what it was this year, like Ugana's not at Kentucky. Like, I don't think so. I don't think the people around him would have even considered the possible return to Kentucky if, if the role was going to be similar. So you know that Ugana is going to play minutes this year. You know Bradshaw with where he is, and me and you've had this conversation. When there's highly ranked guys that come into Kentucky, they get the nod. 
and and they play a lot of minutes. That's just been the the thing that Cal's done. We we brought up the Quade Green over Shea Alexander thing. Me and you did off air a couple of weeks ago talking that Quade started the year as a starting point guard, and by <laughs> it was evident by December that Shea was the NBA pick and was going to move on. So I, I don't know how Cal juggles all this. There's a lot of bodies in the backcourt that need minutes. Uh, a guy like Rob Dillingham or Antonio Reeves probably comes off the bench. Are they one? Is Antonio going to be okay with that as a as a guy that's a fifth year who's SEC Sixth Man of the Year? Is Rob Dillingham an electric player that likes to have the ball in his hands? Is he going to be okay coming off the bench if that's the role he has? Like, I'm interested to see like if Chris comes back, who gets bumped? Is he okay with playing? If if that means somebody's getting moved, is Justin going to play the two? Like. Yeah, and I do want to be clear that the lineup that I just said was not what I would say would be my preferred lineup. It's what I think Calipari might do. To, I think there is a scenario of those five that I just named might be the five best overall players on the team. Is that fair to say? It is. It is fair to say. I agree with that. So that's why I had them as a five. I think it would be their most efficient lineup. Uh, almost certainly not. But I mean, it's I don't. It's almost like you sound spoiled in a way because, like, I'm not trying to turn guys away. I mean, that lineup right there would have what uh, potentially the best, one of the biggest names. I mean, an All-American right at center, Hunter Dickinson, a guy who averaged 18 and whatever it was, and then four other guys who were five-star recruits in high school. So the talent level, you, you don't really question. It's just. How does Cal make all these pieces work? But Sean, we got about five minutes left. Is there anything else you want to touch on? Not really. I think we've covered it all. I, I guess the the one thing that I do want to to say is I think that of all the rosters that Kentucky's had over the course of going back to that COVID year when they didn't get to play the NCAA tournament, I do think that this one's probably the one that I'm probably the most excited about even though it's not finalized yet. And I mean, it could all fall flat on our face here and them not have a five man, like let's say Hunter Dickinson doesn't come to Kentucky and then Oscar Shibway decides to go the pro route or for the most weird, awkward situation, go to the portal. I I think that given what they have coming in and I expect Reeves back and I like what the possibility of adding Dickinson or even Oscar, I do think that this one is set up to possibly have the success long-term that the others were not set up to have. Cause I do think the backcourt's going to be better. And I think that this is probably their best situation and best case to advance in the NCAA tournament since the team that didn't get a chance to advance in the NCAA tournament, if they can stay healthy. Reeves coming back would add the shooting and the the knockdown shooter that they need. They got to have that guy. I, I'd compare that to Jody Meeks not coming back in 2010. Like I would think in terms that of the profile. Yes, not the caliber of player, but the guy that you needed that could make a shot. Now it didn't work out this year against K State. He couldn't make one, but he was also put in a situation where if he didn't make one, nobody was making one towards the end of the year. And that's the the thing that I don't think is going to happen next year. I think that that Rob and some of these guys are going to be able to knock down some shots and do some things off the bounce that maybe Kentucky's guys couldn't do this year in the backcourt. Uh, so I guess what I'm trying to say is it's I'm not guaranteeing that it's going to be a Final Four and NCAA title, but I think the nucleus and the the ingredients is there for it to to put themselves in a situation to at least have a chance to do that if everything goes in their favor. And that's the biggest question, Derek. 
is this a team that catches a break because they, this is a program that's not caught many when it comes to the injury bug and everything else the last few years. No, I think that's a great point. No, I mean, I agree with you. Uh, Reeves fills uh, – he fills the role as, yes, I mean, we don't need to judge someone on their, on their very worst game, and unfortunately his very worst game did come in the NCAA tournament against Kansas State. But also, I mean, he had some games that – I just – I like the players that are just spark plugs, just quick, quick buckets. I think about the Auburn game where he just got crazy hot from deep and are up. Arkansas, you know, he didn't hit many threes that game, but he just – was a bucket you know he he just had the ability that at Kentucky you're not going to need a guy to score 40 points but like he has that kind of potential offensively to to have a night where he can just go off and I like having that on the roster my concern overall would be like who else steps up and hit some threes I think there will be need to there would in the scenarios we've talked about you'll need to have some freshmen shoot better than maybe expected um coming into next year and I would say Dillingham probably fits that role the best out of those guys, but we'll have to see. A lot of questions to answer. Cal Perry makes nine million dollars a year to figure these things out, so I'll uh, I'll, I'll put my trust in him. The, the one thing I'll say, Sean, this will be my last comment. You can wrap it up if you do end up in a scenario here for Kentucky that Hunter Dickinson does show up or Oscar comes back, whatever, whoever it is, and you get a couple of these guys back. The, the one thing we can definitively say on Cal is that the talent acquisition aspect of his job has gotten back to a level that I think it needs to be at at Kentucky. And even though I've been hard on Cal this year, that would be the one area that I would say kudos because on paper going into the next season, this should be a team that has a very good chance to get back to the final four. I agree. I agree a hundred percent. And it's a roster that when we look at it, probably looking at mid-May before we can really sit on here and, and wrap it up and kind of put a bow on it and say, okay, this is what Kentucky's going to roll with. This is where Kentucky's going to stand. But uh, we'll, we'll take you through it. There's going to be a lot of play out over the course of probably the next one to two weeks with uh, decisions and and things like that. But, Derek, I just, I've got a, I'm on my phone. I just got a call from a spam caller. So that's why if it looked like or sounded like I was confused. Uh, but it's good to be on here. It's good to talk about Kentucky basketball. And uh, we'll see what happens. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily.